0: So there was this guilty feeling of lying. Lying for something for which you're not responsible. Lying just to get a social acceptance. Lying so that your friends don't judge you. Lying so that you gel in. Just because of the stigma associated with suicide. Stick your neck out. The weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation.
1: We all feel overwhelmed by difficult emotions or situations sometimes. Anyone can struggle with thoughts of suicide. The teenage years are especially hard and stressful. Suicide can be impulsive or planned. However, not all suicide attempts lead to death. In fact, it doesn't always mean your child wants to die. It could be a way of calling for help. I am Jampira Yardu Dañona, and my guest today, Shering Nordin, is a survivor. Welcome to Stick Your Neck Out, the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. Sherin is from the 2017 generation of Cantadis. She is a mental health activist and founder of Let's Live. She experienced depression and suicide ideation at a young age and knows the value of emotional support to those who need it. Welcome Sherin, to our podcast.
0: Hello Yampia, nice to be here in this podcast with you.
1: It's great, you made it. Shereen, at the Cantari Leadership Program for Visionaries, instead of teachers or professors, they work with catalysts. You were a Kantari participant and now you are a catalyst. Mm-hmm. How can I picture the work of a catalyst? What exactly do you do?
0: As you know, what is a catalyst? something that adds fire without getting burned, right? So everybody in Kantari has a story or has a passion, uh, has a, a drive to do something. It could be totally unrelated, but what connects us all is the lived experience of going through hardship and coming out of it or rising out of it like a phoenix bird. So it's nice to be on the uh, being the student side and it's nice to be on the catalyst side supporting the students. So I think for me it's the personal experience is to have a 360 degree vision of how. We struggle, we come out of it, we start our own venture, we go back, we help people to start their own venture. It's it's like a connected thing.
1: Sounds really nice, but you are not only a Kantari Catalyst, you have your own mental health advocacy and awareness NGO. Would you care to explain what a mental health advocacy and awareness NGO is?
0: So after uh, coming out of Kantari in 2017, I started Let's Live. Let's Live is the name of the NGO that I started. Let's Live is a non-profit organization working for youth suicide prevention here in Kerala, uh, which is the southernmost state in India. So as mental health advocacy and awareness NGO, what we primarily do is provide mental health awareness and cut down stigma. Suicide prevention or mental health uh, wellness is such a huge generic topic right you can't deal with everything at once as a single person there's a lot of suicide I mean like every 3 second a person tried to end the life by suicide every 40 second a life is lost due to suicide so that is the frequency in which life is lost due to suicide so when we started we wanted to have a specific area where we can focus and make a difference rather than be a generalist and not be able to reach out and make a real impact Uh, what we did or what i had in mind was uh, i lost my father to suicide when i was very young so as a suicide survivor our family had to go through a lot of uh, struggle especially due to stigma and the social ostracization in the sense here if a person commits suicide a person dies by suicide it's uh, considered as a weakness on the character of the person in the morale of the family or it's considered as a very disgraceful thing so the survivors of suicide have to grow with all the shame that something terrible must be happening in the family for a person to commit suicide depression schizophrenia bipolar disorder this doesn't count these mental health issues does not count at all when it comes to suicide over here so to grow as a suicide survivor and to face the stigma firsthand gave me the huge impact stigma can have on the lives of people who are struggling. So so as a child, if I have lost my father to suicide, I grow up. And then if I get depression, imagine asking for help. I mean, like to... Be a family member of a suicide survivor is one thing. The stigma is huge. And then you go and see a psychiatrist. It's like the complete family is crazy and they need to be out of society. That is the level of social ostracization the society actually brings in. So you can't just openly go and seek help. You have to hide. You have to go somewhere else. You have to pretend that you are going to see a general physician, and then sneak in to see a psychiatrist. You take a medicine. So it's it's, it's it's a completely different thing altogether. So how so how people will respond, youngsters, when they go through depression? They'll hide it because of the shame. So we don't want youngsters to feel ashamed of a biological condition or of a, of a, of an illness. So, we started working on cutting down the stigma by openly telling about it, by bringing in people who have successfully managed to come out of mental health issues. So, that's one thing that you are struggling, people will not listen to you. Once you have sailed through the trouble and you have succeeded, and then only then people will will be appreciative, right? Will, Will appreciate you for whatever struggles you've been through. So we actually brought in, so we started telling about our stories on how we had to go through a lot of hardships and how well we are placed right now for people to look up to us as role models, to come openly discuss their problem. So we are more of mental health advocates who speak openly about our experience. In a way, we encourage people to openly discuss about their issues because we feel that openly discussing about this is the first step towards, you know, treatment or getting help. We want to intervene at a very early level. When you are feeling very sad and lonely before sinking into depression, we come in. We come in and we listen. We encourage open conversation. We try not to judge them. We provide support services. We provide people with similar experiences so they can socially support each other and try to come out of it with a little bit of positive life skills rather than sinking into depression and then thinking about suicide, so that's where we work.
1: Yeah, that's interesting that you mention it because doing the research I just uh, realised that through Let's Leave you are cutting through the stigma and you are working to prevent suicides among the youth in the state of Caroline, India. How exactly are you doing this? Tell me a bit more about some of the prevention work you are doing at Let's Leave.
0: Uh, okay Ampere, so uh, I'll talk to you about a couple of projects we've done over the past three years. One of the projects, it's called Monsoon Cafe. So, monsoon is the rainy season over here in Kerala. So, the concept of Monsoon Cafe was, rather than being a normal cafe where we serve food, um, we named the dishes after mental health illnesses. So, it was there was a bipolar shake, a borderline sandwich, <laughs> A schizo mocktail. So uh, it would be a normal dish, but it was called in a mental health way. So when people come and say, oh, this is just a lemonade. We say, no, it's a bipolar because it has sugar <laughs> and it has salt. And then we start talking, oh, but wh- why is it called a bipolar? And then we get an opportunity to speak. Speak about bipolar uh, mood disorder and what is a bipolar disorder and what is depression what is mania so that is like a conversation initiator so you get to drink what you want to have and you get to have a little bit of knowledge about mental health issues and then they would start oh oh that is bipolar okay I know one of my friends she gets moody for like three months do you think it is bipolar and that initiates a conversation and people are encouraged to openly talk about it so that was one of the creative ways that we have come up to reach youngsters uh which was well received. Yeah, yeah i
1: can't imagine
0: <laughs> so the cafe was running in one side which was like people come pay for that and the money that we collect over here so there are children from government shelter homes a shelter home for girls who were abused, sexually abused by their parents. So those are those girls are protected and there are special shelter homes called Nirbaya. Um, so we bring in children from there and we give free uh, sessions to them. So the money that comes in from the cafe we used to spend on spending uh, dispelling information and awareness to these girls. So it was like a mix of uh, how do you balance business and a social change. So it was done at Kandari. And the local people around there, the girls, the boys, all the people over there, they came. So we held awareness sessions and uh, the cafe was a huge success. So that was one of the initial projects.
1: That sounds great. You also had the mental health champions for young people. What is this about?
0: There's a lot of youth suicide happening in Kerala because of the huge Pressure to be a professional. The emphasis placed on uh, education and to be an engineer or a doctor or a well-placed professional to bring in that kind of social status is so huge. Children they are when they are like as young as six or seven years old, and, and from that age they are. Put under so much of stress to study and excel and participate in all the competitive exams. There's a lot of suicide happened when the 10th standard results are out. People just, just left and right, they commit suicide because they can't handle failure. Because a failure means you're disappointing your entire family. They want you to be an engineer or a doctor. You can't do that. Finish your life. This is the attitude in which the children are brought up over here. And mostly... The failures uh, happen when you are around 15 to 18. That's the age where the most number of suicides happen in Kerala amongst youngsters. So we went to colleges to ask the students, are you ready to be a mental health champion so you can identify and help your friends from falling into depression and doing self-harm and getting into suicidal behavior. And the response was huge. I mean, like, yes, they said they wanted to be mentored. They wanted to be trained. So our uh, second project was uh, mentoring youngsters in colleges. We had an inter-college competition where we selected mental health volunteers. uh, If they show interest, would be mentored by us who would act as first-level point of support for people in their college, And when they can't handle, they can always fall back to us or professional psychiatrist or psychologist or any caregiver. And the third project was called the Orange Room. It was a very small space. It was all painted in orange. So you get into the room, you only see orange. So we call the place Orange Room. So Orange Room was a non-judgmental listening space. It is a very small room where if you feel sad, where if you feel misunderstood, you feel lonely, you feel depressed, you feel whatever it is, that was a place for you to walk in and bend out your emotions or feelings without being judged. So we would sit and listen. So it was a non-judgmental listening space for youngsters who mainly were uh, under psychiatric medication. They were uh, taking some sort of uh, antidepressants, mood stabilizers, but they also needed social peer support and a sense of belongingness. And we come from like a background of experienced people with mental health issues. So they would come and talk to us about how is it normal at this age? I feel like there is no purpose in life. How do I come out of it? Am I like a waste to this whole world? So you then you'll bring in people who think alike. And then you'll have a discussion. You facilitate. So uh, this existential crisis, the gender issues, any issues you want, you see that end of the day, everybody is suffering from some sort of problem or other. And then they, when, when you support the other person, you will feel good. You will feel useful. So they get energy from each other. They come. That was also again a huge hit, the Orange Room. So Orange Room was open for our target group who were like young adults, 14 to 29-year-old would come. Every Monday to Friday, we would just open and we'll listen to one person. And towards the end of a week, uh, we group people, we'll have group sessions. So if there are young men with depression, a Friday evening, we will have all the young men with depression come together and talk and help and support. And we'll come out, we try to come out of it together. We facilitate the session and then Sundays, we arrange uh, mental health awareness session for the public. So, that also is done in a very creative way. So, we don't say, okay, suicide prevention class come. We would uh, say, okay, so uh, I think uh, the mo- the movie Joker, you remember the movie Joker? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Night it was a Joker. really good yeah. one. Yeah, so it had all the mental health issues talking about it, right? So, this guy... It was a huge hit. People knew that, you know, rather than terming the issues, they would call, okay, psycho movie. So he's psycho. So she's a psycho, he's a psycho. So that was the general slang being used at that point of time. So we would actually conduct movie reviews. So, we will say, okay, let's review the movie Joker. We will never say anything about mental health, suicide prevention, nothing. We'll just talk about Joker and we'll ask public what is their understanding of mental health issues from the movie. And they'll tell them, okay, if you do this, you will be a psycho. Only a psycho will do this, a psycho will do that. And then we will have (laughs) a psychiatrist, a proper psychiatrist sitting with us, clarifying what is a psycho and what is not a psycho and what is an antisocial personality disorder or all the technical terms will be discussed and told to them. So we dispel information through uh, movie characters, book characters. So people are more aware about it. And then they'll go back and discuss and somebody who who they know who uh, who are facing such issues will actually come back to us in return. So it's like, you know, it's like a two-way process. Yeah,
1: sounds great. It's, it's really interesting. Shereen, was there a tipping point when you decided now we have to do something against it or were you planning to become active for a long time already in your field?
0: So I don't come from a social work background. I come from an IT background. So like any um, obedient kid who grew up in a Kerala family who want to please their parents, <laughs> I also studied engineering. So I was told that, you know, to be happy, you need to be an engineer. And so I studied engineering. And then they said, you to be happy and socially accepted, you need to get a job in IT. So um, so when I was 22, I got a job in IT. I was working as a business analyst. I was traveling abroad, working in the IT, making money. At some point, I think I was in Germany for some time. I was in the Netherlands for some time. And I came back to India and I see the huge difference in culture and the way how People could have had a more comfortable, open life if a little bit of a thought process shift can uh, could be done. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's so right. I
0: came back. So I didn't know what to do. So I came back I thought, okay, I, uh, I think I should be a journalist. So I studied journalism. And I thought, okay, now I'll come back to India and I'll work as a journalist and I'll try to bring in that thought change. Uh, It did not work out.
1: (laughs) That's what I wanted to ask.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it did not work out because to be a journalist required a lot of other influences and stuff. And I was like, you know, I I was very naive at that point of time. And then I realized that, okay, I I I wanted to help people, but I don't know how. Somehow I ended up in the idea that I want to start an NGO. I wanted to start an NGO where I can help people who are dealing with issues. At that point of time, I, I had like no idea on what is my specialization going to be. And that's when I fell into depression. And then I came <laughs> out of it. Ah, now I'm like all qualified. Now I know where I should fit in because I already have the skill. I already have depression. So, <laughs> so mental health, it is. And then I studied masters and I, I did my masters in social work. And a project work as part of my studies was for me to work in the mental health care hospital here in uh, Trivandrum where I stay. I went inside and I, I saw the kind of, uh, actually the mental health center here is supposed to provide cure and rehabilitation. But only cure was happening. There was no rehabilitation. In the sense that if you have an episode of depression or mania, you go there, you get the treatment, you come out of it and then... You are supposed to live a normal life until another episode of depression or mania strikes and then you are put into a cell. So it was very weird in the sense of proper rehabilitation did not happen. So I wanted to change that and then they said you cannot, you cannot change anything from within the government. So if you want to make a change, you go out of the government system and start something like that. And that's when I thought of, oh, okay, let me start an NGO. And I somehow fortunately ended in Kantari where I got an idea of how to do social work in a very organized way. And then let's live. And then, of course, a suicide survivor. Suicide was my first
1: choice. Yes, and speaking of your first choice, Shereen, you lost your father to suicide at the age of six. How is it growing up with the stigma of suicide and mental health issues in the social context of a conservative, mostly middle-class family in Kerala?
0: It was not that hard uh, in the beginning because uh, uh, I was told... Uh, if somebody asks some of my school friends ask what happened to my father just say he died by heart attack so heart attack was a much more socially acceptable cause of death back then so this happened around 30 years back somehow there was a conflict when somebody who actually knew what happened to my father would be in the vicinity and i'm speaking to my friends about this and I knew, they know that I am lying. So there was this um, guilty feeling of lying. Lying for something for which you are not responsible. Lying just to get a social acceptance. Lying so that your friends don't judge you. Lying so that you gel in. Just because of the stigma associated with suicide. And to grow up with that. To not be able to tell even your closest friends what actually happened did impact me and that is something i actually wanted to work i mean like that was something that remained very close to my heart
1: i can imagine to
0: not be able to be yourself to not be able to be honest with your true friends close friends because of something that society calls is a very shameful thing to do It took me close to 20 years. I mean, like 20 plus years. I started talking about my father's suicide after I was 25. So imagine close to 20 years lying and lying and lying. When you lie about something for so long, it becomes a truth, right? That's what they say. To break that habit and to say that, okay, no, that's not what happened. This is what happened. And I had to lie for social acceptance. And I am a suicide survivor and it's very hard i know so you don't have to lie you don't have to go through the pain you can openly speak about it there are a, a lot of people like me like you who knows that you know we are not to be blamed for an illness
1: of course not uh,
0: yeah so i think that that kind of a experience was essential i mean like pain is essential for anybody to come to this world otherwise if i think if i had a very happy childhood and a very normal childhood i'd be making money in the it and living a very happy life so i don't know <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah suicide is a major public health concern mostly on teens suicide is among the leading causes of death among young people To some, the problem of youth suicide is something that comes out of nowhere. How bad is it, the problem? Can you help putting this issue in perspective?
0: Well, how bad it is, is something that, you know, uh, the COVID has shown the statistics. So last year, you know, we were all under lockdown and we were all reporting the cases of COVID death, right? So last March 2020, if you'll check the newspapers, okay, two people died of COVID, three people died of COVID, four people. It was In the beginning, it was numbers like that, very minimal number. So Kerala, Kerala has most advanced healthcare systems. So the number of COVID related deaths were very, very, very minimal in Kerala. So in the first two to three months, there were like less than five cases of covid related death in kerala however at the same time there were more than 10 cases of covid related suicides the people did not die by physically getting covid at that point of time a lot of death happened in kerala because of suicide and over the last one year when the government has put the numbers out more than 100 children have completed suicide in last one year in kerala during the lockdown period that that is the number so this is the reported number i don't know the number of cases that goes unreported so this is how bad the situation is so it was an aggravating condition it was a bad thing which was made worse by covid you know why imagine that we are kids and we have issues okay so we go to school we hang out with friends we have venting out modes, we have distraction methods, now imagine the lockdown, so you have issues you can't get out of the house you can't go anywhere, so if the issue is at home, so you are sitting in the middle of the problem area you can't go out because of all the government imposition that you can't go out during lockdown so you you have no way to uh, vent out you have no positive life skills to manage your problem and people just succumb to it. So that that's how bad the situation is in. Su- I mean, like now, 2021, a lot of organizations, a lot of schools, are coming up with emphasis on. Can you please help us bring the mental health of students up? Can you please help us with the mental wellness? Because they needed something like a COVID.
1: Mm, yeah, to realize that there is a problem there. Yeah, yeah. 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 And how do you manage to impose a positive psychology? Can you give us a more thorough idea on how to achieve that when feeling really blue?
0: Yeah, so uh, I think, or what I knew was, okay, I'll tell you the experience. So I, uh, I was good in my studies when I was growing up. So my marks were good. I did my engineering. I immediately got a job. So professionally, I was good. And then I went into depression. I was brought to a psychiatrist. So she said, You have all the professional skills and academic skills, but you have zero life skills. So that was the first time I'm hearing such a feedback. You might be good professionally, but you have zero life skills. So I went back and asked, what is a life skill? And she's like, go Google and learn. So I went and asked Google, "What, what, what is life skill and where do I learn that? And that is something which was like so eye opening to me. Because I know physics, I know chemistry, I know history, geography, but I don't know what is my emotion, I don't know what is my feeling, I don't know how to handle a failure, I don't know how to come out of trouble or all those things which is essential for a human being to survive in this social or in this society. Nobody teaches us that, right? Nobody teaches us conflict management in school. Nobody teaches us how to come out of a love failure or a break broken (laughs) heart. Those are the things that. That, that need to be a subject. Life yeah, skills right. need to be a subject. So what we are trying to do is, see, why do we learn multiplication and mathematics, basic mathematics? So that, you know, when you go and order a pizza and you know that if you buy three pizza, you'll have to pay three into ten, thirty dollars. So you just have to check whether the money, right? Exactly. So these things, you, you can't learn mathematics when you're at the pizza shop you have to learn it much before that right yeah exactly so you can't you can't learn life skills and mental health skills when you are going through a breakup or a failure or an addiction you have to learn it much much before so that you can use it how to find inner peace how to be joyful that is a subject that should be taught in school.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah,
0: so that 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 is something we should actually focus on. Uh, so when I say, okay, we work for suicide prevention, the first question people ask is, okay, what is a crisis number? I said, it doesn't always <laughs> have to reach the crisis for you, Tindermin, right? You yeah. can work with children. You can work with children to see how they can have a, a self-awareness. Like young girls, they have this body shaming, uh, they have this bad self image, they don't know, they associate themselves with their body. Sometimes they have the sexuality issues. There are a lot of issues children go through, right? So, but if you have enough skills, enough support, enough knowledge, enough scientific evidence to build confidence and peace and happiness in these children, the chances of them getting into depression and suicidal ideation will be much, much less when they actually grow up. And everybody. Everybody will have to go through failures and breakups and negative things at some point in life or the other, right? Can you manage your emotion? Can you properly communicate your emotion? Some people show their sadness as anger, anger as sadness, because they don't know how to identify their emotion, how to express it properly. And if somebody expresses it, how to reciprocate, how to understand. All those need to be taught in school. So we are strongly advocating for that. Uh,
1: it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the the problem that it's all of this has to be taught in, in school. I, I also think that the family at home should be discussed about these topics. And there's also a lack of it in most of our societies. Yeah,
0: exactly. Because if we get a little bit of free time, we'll all go to our Instagrams, Facebook pages. Who will sit at home and explain this? Everybody is busy with their gadgets, right? <laughs> so it's, it's very sad for the children these days because they don't know that, you know, you can talk and people will listen to you and that will actually make your life easier in the real world rather than going to the virtual world and then doing something or the other—it's it's, it's a very sad thing.
1: Very sad indeed. Um, Chirin, I'm gonna quote you on this question. Let's live was founded with a very ambitious vision, and I will add mission to see a world without suicides. Do you mind talking about the vision and the mission of Let's Live?
0: Yeah, sure. So the impact of suicide is so huge on the survivors. Uh, of course, a life is lost. But the people who survive the suicide, like your immediate family friends, it's very hard for them to understand uh, why somebody did what they did. And uh, life, life is a very short and sweet and beautiful thing. It had, it doesn't have to be wasted because uh, the pain is too much or because nobody cares about you. There is always, always, always another option. So I, so that our tagline says, life. Uh, Life gives a lot of options, but when life itself becomes an option, when you have to choose between life and death, you should always choose life, choose living, let's live. So that's the tagline we have. When life becomes a choice, choose living, let's live. So how do we do it is, of course, earlier it used to be that when you have mental health issues, you go to a psychiatrist. So you always try to eliminate the negative, work on the negative, fix on the negative. But then they discover something called the positive psychology, which focuses on enhancing the positiveness in a human being rather than focusing on eliminating the negative of the person. So positive psychology started growing, I think, the last 20 years. And that's something I found very interesting. So rather than focusing on a person who is highly suicidal at that point of time, Let's Live wanted people to start working on their mental health as early as possible. In the sense that we start working on children. And now we are thinking if possible, if we could get a couple who are about to get married to start working on their emotional wellness. So imagine if you are going to get married. So you and your partner, both of you should get a knowledge about mental health and how to identify your emotions and feelings. So you are very insightful people. Then you make children then you will be able to give them training on how to be uh, self-aware, how to find joy, how to find peace, right? So, the awareness will actually even go before probably you find your partner. So, as early as possible, uh, we just have to give uh, this information to prevent uh, the suicide as well as live a life which is to the fuller extent. You You can just easily skip and be lazy and just pass a lot of years or you can You can live all the years with so much of energy because you understand yourself much better. You are peaceful. You are at peace with yourself. So that is something we are focusing on.
1: You're totally right. I mean, staying healthy is a central goal in many people's life. And we parents want to promote good health for our children in any way we can. Now, speaking about suicide, the popular Netflix shows 13 Reasons Why has many parents wondering how to talk to their teens about suicide. Or even if they should. How do you think parents, adults in general, should talk to teenagers about suicide? Uh,
0: it's good that you brought up. So one of the projects we did last year was a series of session called 13 Reasons Why Not. So we discussed the five issues mentioned in the series. And then every week we had sessions about why you should not be doing self-harm, why you should not be doing the issues portrayed in the series. Because there's no open conversations about it. And imagine a Netflix series like that running and parents over here are watching. (laughs) Uh, Either they would just switch it off or they would just dismiss it saying, you you don't have anything funny to watch. Why are you watching this? It's very hard for parents to bring in such a conversation and talk about it because they themselves are not confident about what they're going to say. So I think a lot of awareness programs should be there where the parents and the children are brought together in a platform where subject matter experts speak about it and then they are given an opportunity to talk about. Most of them they, they don't know. They'll think that okay, my children they won't do it until they do it. So they, they say that depression is always somebody else's problem, suicide so is always somebody else's problem until somebody does it it's never this
1: yeah so you think conversations about suicide fit into an overall strategy that can reduce teens suicide risk
0: no i don't think conversation about suicide it's conversation about a person's a child's emotions a conversation about a child's happiness feelings thoughts that should be the thing and then it's not like, it's like suicide is like going straight to class 10. You have to go through class 1, 2, 3 to reach 10, right? You can't just openly one day talk about, oh, this person committed suicide, this person died of suicide. Let's talk about it. No, it has to be built in such a way that, okay, people get difficult emotions. People have negative emotions. So how do we handle negative emotions? There is always a space for people to come and talk about these emotions. So when somebody dies of suicide, you uh, you as a parent you first thing you have to do is to see that there is your your child you ask how do you feel about the news that you heard if, you, if your friends uh, has done it and then you listen to the child and the child might be scared the child might say okay i don't care it doesn't matter and then you slowly dread tread uh, the topic with care and see it all depends on the emotional maturity of the child and the awareness of the parent you can't just say this works for everybody no it's a very sensitive topic Mm. so you can't just have a generalized like like, you can't teach uh, mental health like uh, you teach uh, mathematics
1: yeah this is also not logical i mean it's, it's it's not a logical thing to follow yeah but then what are the risk factors for teen suicide what are the warning signs of suicide and When should I or when should a person take action to prevent a potential suicide?
0: Any change in behavior like depression could always lead to suicide, but not all suicides are caused by depression. There is always impulsive suicide as well. But if you are a parent or a friend and you are closely observing somebody, you see that the person's sleep routine has changed. The person is uh, talking more or talking less, eating more or eating less is going out more or is going out less anything outside the normal routine of a person you see that you speak to the person you provide them with an opportunity to talk sometimes they might be comfortable talking to you sometimes they might not be comfortable talking to you so it it, it it's person to person and then you see if the person is doing any self-harm related thing they might be abusing they might be doing a lot of uh, substance abuse drinking alcohol smoking cutting so these are the signs you have to be aware of to see so all these could could lead to suicide not necessarily all these will but and then then a lot of people ask okay what if she's just you know faking to get attention what if he's just saying it just so that you know he gets more attention and or just to scare people so e- even if it is somebody who's trying to get attention Say so after hundred suicide attempts, probably five might be a call for attention. The other ninety-five might actually be a serious issue. So you'll never know. So it's okay to it's okay to intervene in all hundred the same way, even if you'll never know, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, you never know. and that's that's exactly what I'm asking now. What to say and how to say it.
0: So so if if I am if I am suicidal and I have decided that you know my, the pain is too much and I want to end it. And you are a friend of mine or a family and you want to help me. I as a person, uh, you need to know me as a person. Sometimes you just have to come and sit with me, not leave me alone. Sometimes you have to just come and say that, you know, you care enough about me. Am I okay? So when somebody asks me, am I okay? And it shows that, you know, that person genuinely cares about me. That gives me an opportunity to share my emotions. Ask for help. And then probably went out if needed. And then I said, no, I don't need help. I've decided, I've decided to end it all. And then you ask me, are you thinking about suicide? And then I might say, yes, I am. So then if somebody is thinking about suicide, you should not just end the conversation and leave and run because people get scared, right? There are a lot of ways to intervene. Like you ask, okay, have you thought about how you want to do it? Have you set a date or something? So that actually shows that everything has been planned. The next step is to ensure that somebody physically is with the person. You call somebody or if you can go, you be there. Or if you call the parents, alert the family. Somebody has to be physically with this person that moment onwards until the person get a psychiatric help. And then comes out of the suicidal ideation. That actually helps.
1: Okay, that's a good advice. But apart from talking to a suicidal person and encouraging him or her to go for counseling, talking with this person, what else can we do to prevent this?
0: You just have to be empathetic and be genuinely interested. So you ask the person. So if I... I I can't tell what everybody in the world wants, but I can tell what I want, Okay. So, if you are thinking about suicide, you will know what what is required for you to come out of it. So, I ask Yampir, uh, how are you feeling? So, you say, I am feeling very sad. And then I ask, are you thinking about suicide? And you say, yeah, probably. And then I ask, okay, I care about you. Is there anything you think I can do to help you? So, you will know how I can help you. Only you will know how I can help you. So, I am telling you, I care about you. I want to help you. Tell me how I will... I can help you. You will tell. Nobody is so adamant that, you know, I know how you can tell me. I know how you can help me, but I'm not going to tell you. Nobody's going to say that. If I want help from you, I will tell you this is what I want. So ask the person. Ask the person what kind of help the person needs. What you can do. Can you just come and sit with you? Can you just come and sit just with the person? Probably having a person physically with you would help. Ask a person,
1: that always helps. Yeah, sincerely asking, talking to ones it helps always. shedding when someone is struggling with suicidal thoughts, they might indicate these thoughts to others in their actions or the things they say. Most of the time these indications are fairly subtle to the untrained eye. So it's helpful to learn the signs that someone exhibits that may indicate suicidal thoughts. How can I train my eye to identify when someone is screaming silently for help?
0: Uh, so that's a good question. So there are a lot of articles on various mental health websites, WHO websites, even in Let's website that describes how you can pick signs of if somebody is asking for help. So it's it, it's a skill. It's a skill. It's like a subject you need to train yourself. Of course, if you have personally gone through depression and suicidal ideation. It's very easy for you to pick up because you have experienced it before, so you don't need that much of training. But for a person who has no background in mental health issues or depression, a little bit of training on the subject would actually help. Like. You observe the language of the person a change in language you observe the dressing style of the person you change you see a change in dressing you observe the general trend of Facebook post or Instagram post you see the darkness in the the ratio of darkness in the post are increasing so there are signs in there are like a lot of uh, informative articles you'll find on the websites and you can educate yourself awareness is the biggest equipment you can have to help such situations
1: so awareness is the key thanks a lot Shereen for your time and this incredibly important work and effort you take thank you you're welcome and there we are at the end of the podcast to restore your faith in humanity my guest today Shereen Nodin Having lost her father at age 6 to suicide, she had a tough time navigating the conservative Malayali middle-class landscape that stigmatized suicide and mental health. Through Let's Live, Sherin is cutting through this stigma and working to prevent suicides among the youth in the state of Kerala, India. Take a look at the work of these empowered women at letslivekerala.org or go to Sherin's Facebook. I'm sure you're going to find a way to support her work. You'll find the stories of the Cantari alumni and the Giraffe Heroes, the stories of people sticking their necks out every Tuesday on Spotify, iTunes, our homepage, and every other place where you get your podcast. And if you subscribe, you don't have to look out for us. We'll be coming to you. And if there is a friend, a family member, an organization, or someone you know who is doing a great work in the community, someone sticking their neck out, just nominate them as a Giraffe Hero or tell us about them. Come and visit us at giraffe-heroes.eu. Next week, I'll be talking to Njeke Joshua, founder of Peace Crops. Peace Crops works with war-affected communities, schools, and other entities to practically carry out agriculture projects. Joshua's series of organic farming campaigns promote agriculture as a peace-building tool. All this as part of a solution to the civil unrest in Cameroon. His rehabilitation and correction projects aim to equip displaced orphans with the knowledge needed to combat unemployment, hunger, and to stop the ongoing conflicts. My name is Jean-Pierre Aguiar and I hope you join us also on our social media. We are on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. But more importantly, I hope you join us again next week. Stick
0: your neck out. The weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation.